Well, good morning. All right, I, I just got to ask, uh, who, who's going for the Niners today? Yeah? You don't even want to cheer for them? You're just going to raise your hand? Come on. All right. Okay. Uh, so the rest of you are going for Kansas City? All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, I'm an AFC guy, so Kansas City, you know, because my Raiders didn't make it. So you guys are representing. Wow. That's awesome. I almost wore my Raiders shirt today, you know, but Mac told me she didn't want me to get beat up after the service, so. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, last week, um, uh, if, if you were here, then you heard Tyler uh, speak on prayer, and he gave us a lot of great ways to not pray, and uh, that was a great message, and I'm going to wrap up this week of prayer that we've had, uh, talking about why we should continue to pray. Because it would be a shame if this was like, oh, that week that I prayed a lot, right? Way back in the day. Why not continue that? And, uh, and we can look at how we can move forward to having a lifestyle bathed in prayer. So I want to ask you, um, how do your circumstances affect your prayer life? Some of you might think, well, um, when life gets hard, I pray hard. And when life is easy, I kind of let up on the gas and I just kind of forget to pray because I don't feel that need, right? There's no felt need to be in prayer when life is easy. But some of you might be the opposite. It's like when, when life is easy, then it's like, wow, thank you, God. I'm just so close to you and I love you and, and life is great and awesome. But then when life gets hard, it's like, Ugh. okay, fix it, fix it, get through it, get through it, you know, without really leaning into the Lord during those hard times. You know, but then, uh, so it, it could go either way for people, right? So just take a moment and think, um, how do my circumstances, how do our circumstances affect our prayer life? So give you a moment to think about it. There's going to be a test, so you do have to actually take a moment and think about it. Okay, now turn to the person next to you and tell them how your circumstances affect your prayer life. I told you there's going to be a test. All right. All right, that's enough talking during my sermon. All right, come on now. <laughs> all right, so um, because each one of us is unique, you know, our experiences, um, our, our upbringing, uh, the way that we've uh, learned to respond to life, every one of us has a unique response to our circumstances. And our prayer life, whether we know it or not, is connected to those circumstances. My, my desire for each one of us is that we would be a people um, who are consistently, deeply in prayer, regardless of our circumstances. So we're going to take a look at James chapter 5, verse 13 through 18. It'll be up on the screen here, or you can read along. Uh, but I'm just going to read this to you really quickly. Um, James says to the churches, plural, uh, is anyone among you suffering? Okay, so he's talking about life circumstances, right? Uh, let him pray. That's good advice. Um, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. 
We were just singing praise, and I don't know if you're aware or not, but when, when we sing praise to God, that is a form of prayer, right? Uh, the song is a bucket within which I can put my, my heart and my thoughts and, and my, you know, my being as I express it to the Lord. So singing a song of praise, wow, thank you, Jesus, praise God, you know, whether it's a prayer or a song, you know, so life is good, thank him for it. Life is hard, ask him for help, right? That's what James is saying here. Um, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Now, just quick word, uh, quick note here. That word save uh, does not necessarily refer to like eternal salvation, right? In, in the Greek, uh, the word is sozo. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. And, and it means uh, to, to be made whole, uh, to be restored, that kind of thing. So it, it, could, it could mean that, you know, the prayer of faith will restore that person, right? Okay, and then um, if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one, uh, to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So there's a lot there about prayer, all right? Now, um, if, if we took those verses to heart and lived as though we believed they were true, then we would be uh, being completely vulnerable with each other, right? Confessing our sins one to another. Uh, we would be lifting each other up, you know, praying for each other. Um, we would be uh, constantly in prayer, you know, thank you, God, for this. God, please help me for that. It, it would be a very... Um, a very, I believe, now I don't mean to be down on us because we are a church of prayer. Like I, so, you know, we're doing great on that, but there's always room for growth, right? I think if we literally believed what this said, um, it would change the way that we conduct ourselves in our, in our uh, pattern of conversation with God and with each other. Unfortunately, a lot of people believe that this, or live as though they believe this says something different. So, for example, we might live as though we think this says, is anyone in trouble? Well, then let them do everything they can in their own power and call on God as a last resort when all else has failed. Is anyone happy? Well, then let them take it for granted and forget that every good and perfect gift comes from God. Is anyone among you sick? Well, let them call for the doctor or raid the medicine cabinet. The better living through chemistry will fall upon them. Therefore, don't let anyone know that you're not perfect. Don't pray for each other or else you might be healed. You're sinners, and your prayers don't matter anyway. I think that too often believers live as though they think that that is true, rather than what we actually just read. So Mac and I had fun kind of rewriting that passage, you know, in the opposite. So, all right, so why should we be a people that continue in prayer? Uh, one reason is because God is sovereign and good. If I believe that God is sovereign and good, then I should persevere in prayer. And a lot of people say, well, if God is sovereign, then why bother praying anyway? Because he knows everything and he can do anything. So he's going to do what he's going to do. Why bother praying? And, um, and I, uh, I could, we could do like a whole sermon series on that. So uh, I don't want to unpack that. But the short answer is because um, he's commanded us to, and he wants us to, and it's good for us. So 
Um, I would love to unpack that more with you if, if you have any questions about that. But knowing that God is sovereign and that he is good should motivate me to come to him in prayer often. So let's take a look at Job chapter 42. Here we see uh, Job, you know, this is the end of the book of Job, and he's gone through all these struggles and difficulties. And, you know, he doesn't know the backstory like we do because we get to read Job chapter 1 and 2. He didn't. So we know what's going on behind the scenes. He doesn't. And so he's just the whole time through, he's, he's begging God, just give me my day in court. Let me prove my case. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm being falsely accused. And what's going on here? And I just want to see you, God. And, and, you know, and so finally God shows up in chapter 40. And then uh, and, and Job's like, whoa, whoops, er, never mind. And, and God says, oh, okay, well, then I'll just, you know, tell you a little bit about me that you might not know. And then chapter 40 and 41 is God um, bragging about himself and his power, which he has every right to do. And then we get to Job chapter 42, uh, where God says, okay, do you have anything to say now? And, and Job says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours is thwarted. The God that we serve can do all things. He is sovereign. So why not ask him for help? Right? You know those people, like people say, hey, I got a guy who? You know, like, oh, my, my sink's plugged up. Well, I got a guy who? You know, oh, I, I need help with my car. Oh, I got a guy who? You know, everybody's got that guy that they call, you know, for those things. I'm that guy for a few people, and I love being there for them. Um, why not say, I got a God who? Um, he is sovereign. No plan of his will be thwarted. So why wouldn't I call on him for help? Why wouldn't I... You know, when, when we pray, uh, we are stepping out of time into eternity and having a conversation with God. It's as, if, it's as if before he even created time, we get to enter into his presence and, and make a suggestion. Like, hey, it would be really cool if, if this worked out this way. I know you know best, but I just want to throw my two cents in there, right? And because God is outside of time because he created it, you know, then we get to, when we pray, we're having that conversation with him in that moment, if it were a moment. So prayer is a huge deal, right? It, if God is sovereign, and I believe that he is, then why wouldn't I ask him for help? And why wouldn't I thank him when life is going well? Okay, so God is sovereign. God is good. I love this verse in Matthew 7. This is during the Beatitudes uh, Tyler taught from the Beatitudes last week. So uh, Jesus is saying uh, to the people, which one of you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Because that wouldn't be what a good dad does, right? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a serpent? Well, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, because God is good, and so I can trust him to be good, and I can ask him for the things that I, I need or want. And he might not always say yes, but he wants me to ask anyway. And many of us um, had examples of God, like, you know, it, they say the earthly father is an example of the heavenly father. And, you know, if you had an earthly father who was a poor representation of the heavenly father, then you might think, well, yeah, you know, um, when I asked for stones, I got rocks. When I asked for this, I got, the, you know, like, so it's hard for me to trust that God is going to be good towards me. 
but God is not like those earthly fathers. And that analogy is carried forward even more in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, when, uh, when the author of Hebrews is talking about discipline. He says, um, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there uh, whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which you have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and are not sons. You may, you may have seen those kids who are like unruly, you know, they're running around Walmart, just like tearing things off the shelf or whatever, and you're like, where are their parents, you know? Um, and any of us who have been parents know that one of the signs of a good parent is that they love their children enough to discipline them. God loves us as his sons and daughters, and he will discipline us. And so there's something, and, and I would connect this back to that James passage that we read, because, you know, he said, is anyone sick? Let him go ask for prayer. You know, and then, you know, confessing sins one to another that you may be healed, right? So, so there's a connection. If I have sin and there's something going wrong in my body, it's possible that God is disciplining me through that thing in my body to get me to come back to him. He's not punishing me. He's disciplining me. And, and there's a big difference there. So, uh, you know, punishment, I believe that the punishment for all of our sins, if you are in Christ, then the punishment for your sins was dealt with on the cross. Jesus took that punishment on you. So there's no punishment that God has left for you if you've received Jesus as your Savior. There is, however, discipline because he loves us and he wants us to walk close to him. And so if I'm going away from him, he loves me enough to, to put things in my path to bring me back. And that doesn't mean that every um, difficult circumstance is a form of discipline, but it does mean that I should at least be willing to stop a moment and say, Lord, is this you disciplining me right now? Am I doing something that's bringing me away from you? Because if so, I don't want that. It's good to take a moment when life gets hard and ask that question. And it could be that he says yes. It could be that he says no. But I need to be willing to consider that there might be some discipline there. Anyway, uh, verse 9. Uh, because this, we, have, uh, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respect them. Shall we not more uh, be subject to the Father of spirits and live? So responding to God's discipline favorably in my life is very important for me to be close to him. And, and that's part of him being good, right? I can trust him to be good in the way that he disciplines me. All right, so um, why should we continue in prayer? Because God is sovereign and he is good. Um, also because authentic community matters. Authentic community matters. And you might think, well, what does that have to do with prayer? Well, I've got a few verses here for you. Um, another passage from the book of Hebrews. Actually, first we're going to look at James, uh, that passage that we already read. Uh, he, you know, when he said, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. See, being a people of prayer, that's plural, right? People. I'm not saying being a person of prayer, but being a people of prayer. You know, we, we are God's family, and he wants us to do life together. Part of doing life together means praying for each other. 
how can I meaningly, meaningfully pray for you if I don't know what's going on in your life? So God wants us to have authentic community where, you know, where we are willing to go to each other and say, hey, would you pray for me? I, I blew it. I got in this horrible fight with my wife last night. I said some things I shouldn't have said. You know, I didn't treat her the way that Christ would treat his church. Um, I just want to confess that to you. And would you pray for me? Like, that's where real relationship happens, is when people are willing to be real with each other. You know, take down those masks and just be authentic. That's the way God wants his family to operate. And when we do that, then we become a people of prayer. Okay, so now Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So again, that idea of coming together, encouraging each other. Some translations uh, use the word to spur one another on. And I don't know if you've ever ridden horses, but spurs have a way of getting the horse moving, right? <laughs> so, so if we're doing life together and, uh, and you spur me on towards good deeds, I might not like the feeling of you getting in my face, lovingly speaking the truth in love, both truth and love combined, like Ephesians 4 says. But if we're doing life together, and, and you, you get in my face about something, that's going to help me grow. That's going to spur me towards, you know, those good deeds that God wants me to do. And, and we, God wants us to do that for each other as, as we live life together. And all of that, of course, being bathed in prayer. All right, so a couple other verses about prayer. These are some examples from the book of Acts as the early church was meeting together regularly as a community, as a family. It says all of these were uh, with one accord. You know, some translations say in one accord. And then people think, how could they fit all those people into one little Honda Accord? I just don't get it, you know. But they didn't have cars back then, so that's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so um, um, all these were in one accord, uh, and they were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So this was even um, before uh, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit poured out on them. They were in the upper room. They were waiting for Jesus and, you know, the, the ascension and all that. Uh, and, and, uh, and so they were in prayer together, right? And then uh, the next one here in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, um, when, when he realized this, this is Peter. This is a great story. I wish we had time to really unpack it. Um, Peter had been imprisoned. And, um, and all night, the church was, was gathered together, uh, probably at, at John Mark's mom's house. And they were, they were deep in prayer uh, for Peter. Like, Lord, please release him. Lord, please save him. Because someone had just been, you know, um, executed for being a Christian just, you know, previously in the passage. And so they're, they're praying in earnest for him. And, um, and then uh, an angel came and freed him and walked him out. And he thought it was a dream or a vision or something. And then he gets out of the the prison and he looks around and he's like, huh, I guess that was real. That's weird. And then, so realizing this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, uh, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and they were praying for him. So something within their community, something tragic happened within their community and they responded by coming together and praying. 
And, you know, um, our church has that newsletter that we send out, you know, and, and I love getting the prayer requests, like pray for this person, this thing happened, pray for this person's relative, this is going on with them, you know, and even if it's just for a moment, when I get that email, just stop and take a moment and pray. And, and I think how many other of our church family are praying for this right now? You know, even though we're not physically together, we're together in prayer, you know, but um, wouldn't it be cool to gather together intentionally and pray, you know, whether hard things are happening or whether just life is, is going on like normal. And as, as the story continues, I just want to tell it because it's hilarious. So he goes to the door and uh, they had a gate, you know, probably with a courtyard and then the house was further in. And he goes and he knocks on the gate. And this servant girl, um, Luke identifies her by name, which is rare. Uh, her name was Rhoda. She comes out and she, you know, I, I imagine like the opening the latch and like, who goes there, you know? <laughs> So, so she, she looks and, and she sees that it's Peter and she, <gasps> and she just, turn, she doesn't let him in. She just turns around and runs back in the house, you know, and Peter's here. And, and then they're, now they are praying for his safety and his release, right? And they say, ah, no, it's probably his ghost. <laughs> I just think that's hilarious. So not a whole lot of faith in those prayers, apparently, but they were giving it the effort, you know. <laughs> All right, so um, a, a third example of uh, corporate prayer in the book of Acts. Um, at about midnight, again, uh, Paul and Silas were in prison, and uh, they were just worshiping, you know. I mean, why not? Nothing else to do, you know. So they're chained to the wall, probably, you know. Again, I picture, like, those old cartoons of the guy, like, chained to the wall in a dungeon, and there's a skeleton over in the corner, you know, and... So they're, they're in their, the prison, and they're praying. And, uh, and it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. They were praying and singing hymns to God while they were imprisoned for their faith. So remember the beginning of that passage in James. You know, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. They were praying, you know, and they were also praising God. I love that example. Okay, so that's the second reason we should pray because authentic community matters. Third reason that we should pray is because God's sovereign goodness has already been shown. We have, God has an amazing track record. I don't know if you know this or not, but all throughout time and history, God has proven himself faithful again and again. In my life, in your life, in the lives of the saints that go before us, um, he can be trusted to be good and to be faithful. And so we ought to come to him because of that. And um, James actually gives his own textual example. So I thought, why should I look for an example of this in the Bible when James gives us an example? It's the very next couple of verses. So let's read James 17, 5, 17, and 18. He says, Elijah was a human being. In other words, Elijah was just like you and I, um, as, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And by the way, this comes from uh, 1 Kings 17 and 18. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years which incidentally, that's the duration of the ministry of Christ on earth. Could just be random coincidence, I don't know. Um, it did not rain for three and a half years. And again, he prayed, 
and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. So a little context. Um, uh, you may remember uh, in 1 Kings 18, there was that epic showdown between uh, the prophets of Baal and, um, and Elijah. You know, they went to, to Mount Carmel and uh, because the, the, the king of Israel in that day was evil and was not serving God and, uh, and uh, uh, idol worship had crept up all over the land. And, uh, and Elijah, you know, like God basically told him, okay, you know, let's, let's deal with this. So um, uh, the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah came to, to Mount Carmel. They numbered over 800. So it was a lot of them. And, and, uh, and the, so it was 800 plus against Elijah. But Elijah had God on his side. You know? So um, three and a half years prior, Elijah had confronted Ahab and said, hey, um, you're not doing what God wants you to do, so boom, no rain. And it stopped raining. So there had been a drought for three and a half years. And then Elijah goes and, you know, calls them, you know, calls them, uh, what do they call it? Call them to task, call them to the carpet, you know, showdown, right? And, uh, and so there they are, and, uh, and, they, and the, the test was who can get, um, you know, who, whose God can, can light this altar, you know, pile up a whole bunch of wood. We're not going to light a match. We're going to let the God do it, right? The, either the false God or the true God. So Elijah says, okay, you guys go first. And, uh, and big, big wood for bonfire. And, uh, and they're calling on Baal and they're calling on Asherah and they're cutting themselves and they're flailing around and everything. And, and this goes on for who knows how long. And then Elijah kind of taunts them. He says, hey, you know, maybe your God is in the restroom and he can't hear you. I just love it. He's like, poke, poke, poke. And, uh, and so then he's like, all right, my turn. And, and, he, and he turns, and, and he just has this short and sweet, just like, you know, God, you're amazing. Please show up. And, and boom, you know, just, oh, first, he had them throw a whole bunch of water on there, right, just to show that it was truly God. Now, remember, there's a drought going on. I, I imagine the look on everyone's face when bucket after bucket of water is, they're like, you know, like, like starving people seeing food just get thrown away or something. And, and so all this water goes on there. And, and then he, you know, he calls on God, you know, and, and boom, you know, fire spontaneously erupts. And, uh, and, then he, and then he says to all the crowds gathered, like, okay, get them, you know, those 800 plus people, right? And, and so it was a huge turning point in, the, in, the, uh, in the, the spiritual climate of Israel in that time. Elijah was a man, just like you and I. But look at what he accomplished because of his faith and trust and prayer. That's what James wants us to get. See, if I'm submitted to the same authority that Elijah was, then I can access that same authority that Elijah did. Now, I'm not going to go around just asking God to light things on fire because I don't think he wants me to do that. You know, but the point is, when, when I pray, I'm accessing that same authority. And so that's why James says, you know, the, the effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Elijah was a righteous man, and he was able to accomplish what he did through God's power. And so James is telling us, why aren't we doing that? We ought to do that. So... 
that's our third reason. God has an amazing track record for, uh, for answering prayer. So then, how can we do it? How can we be a people uh, who consistently persist in prayer? One would be um, to keep God intimately involved in our life as we respond to it. Remember, I started by asking you, how do, you, how do your life circumstances affect your prayer life? I believe that God wants each one of us to have him be intimately involved in our life every day, even in the mundane parts of life. Right? In the supermarket, and I'm like, should I buy the 1% milk or the 2% milk? Ah, let's go 2%. Why not say, well, I don't know, Lord, what do you think? Right? I mean, it sounds silly to some of us, but I believe that God, see, if I'm constantly having that sort of like, well, I don't know, Lord, what do you think? Or, hey, Lord, what do you think about that? Or, hey, Lord, I was thinking. You know, just have him be part of that. I don't know if you're like this, but I've got this inner dialogue that's like always going on, you know? And just kind of, um, you know, it's like a thought stream, right? You know, why not have the Lord be part of that thought stream? Why not be like, hey, Lord, what do you want to listen to right now? You know, driving down the road. He might say, well, I want to listen to you. And then you turn off the radio and you talk to him. Or he might say, I don't know, let's worship. And then you put on some worship music and you worship him. But to have him be part of that everyday response. See, if I, being a Christian means um, living like Christ lives. I can't live, I can't respond to the world the way that Christ responds to the world um, if I'm not training to do that, right? In, in the little things. You know, in Luke it says, you know, he who is faithful in the little things, you know, will, will be given much and, you know, that whole thing. So I want to train myself to respond the way Jesus would in, in the little things. That way, when something big happens, I, I've already trained for it. And so if I'm constantly in that habit of saying, well, I don't know, Lord, what do you think? Well, Lord, I don't know. Do you want me to this or that? Then when something big hits me, my, my natural response will be, hey, Lord, I really need your help on this right now. Rather than like, got to fix it, got to do it, and push through and then well, no, I'm, I'm training myself to involve him in that part of my life. So I don't know if you think of that as prayer, just a little simple, I don't know, Lord, what do you think, 1% or 2%? But prayer is talking to him, right? So even in those little things, involve him in those parts of your life. The second way that we can do it is to have authentic community in which we can be truly known and truly loved. It goes back to that thing in James, confessing our sins one to another, praying for one another. See, if, if you came to me and confessed sin, and I was like, whoa, you're a loser. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. That would not be what James is, is saying, right? Confess your sins, and then the very next thing he says is pray for each other. So if you confess sin to me, and then I respond with, wow, thank you so much for trusting me with that. 
can I pray for you? Then that means I'm, ex I'm, I'm accepting you where you're at and I'm helping you get where you need to be, right? I'm, I'm not rejecting you and walking away. And so James is calling us to be a people that, that are, are transparent and accepting. And I believe that Philida Bible Church is a church that is accepting of people, right? I think that we still have some growing to do in, in you know, being truly transparent, just like any community of people can grow in being transparent. Because, you know, we all have those little masks and we like to, oh, this is my church mask. It's got a little smudge on it. I'll polish it up. And this is my work mask. I got to make sure that look. And, you know, we go around life with these little masks. But that's not being transparent. That's not having authentic community. That's not allowing yourself to be truly known. So then a lot of people end up developing a relationship with that mask rather than with you. And then you end up feeling lonely even though you're surrounded by people. Which, by the way, shameless plug, uh, heart change is a great way to grow in that. So we happen to have one coming up February 20th through the 23rd. Shameless plug. But very, uh, very worth it. So that's why it's shameless, because I don't care. All right, um, third way that we can grow in being a people of prayer, to keep an answered prayer log. Because then when you start to doubt, well, I don't know if God really cares. You could pull that thing out. Oh, look, I was praying for, did, did you? No, you didn't know, I'll tell you. My older brother, I didn't even tell you this, Mac. <laughs> My older brother, um, a couple of years ago, almost died. He's lived a, um, a, a pretty self-destructive life, you know, lots of drug and alcohol addiction and everything else, and he's almost died multiple times. The, this last time he was in the hospital for more than six months, um, he was uh, vaping marijuana, and he had that lung thing that happens to people with the vaping of marijuana. Um, so, like, really this close to death. And, uh, and he came out of that a changed person. And we were praying for his health and his safety, but even most importantly, his soul. And, and my mom, God bless her, she is the most fervent prayer warrior that I've ever met. And, uh, and she, so she's been praying for, for him to love Jesus, like since she loved Jesus, you know, um, like over 30 years, she's been praying for that. And she just sent me this text the other day it was a screenshot of a text from him to her. And, and it said, hey, mom, I just wanted to share this Bible study that I've been doing during my lunch breaks. God answers prayers, and it may take a long time. That blessed my mom's heart, and that blessed my heart to know that, that he, you know, through all that, He's come to a point where he, on his own, we weren't nagging him. You know, we weren't like, hey, he saved your life again. You better do it right this time. You know, that was just the Holy Spirit calling him, I believe, because of the fervent prayer of righteous people. And so keeping a log of that kind of stuff reminds me, like, oh, wow. Look at what God did there. That means I can trust him to be faithful here. That, that's, what, um, uh, you know, that's what James was doing with Elijah. Like the, the Bible is a great log of God answering prayer, right? 
why not keep your own log of God answering prayer in your life and, and the lives of the people around you? It, it's something that just builds that faith up. Okay, um, shameless plug number two. Uh, beginning on March 1st, we are going to be having a monthly uh, corporate prayer meeting um, Sunday. It's going to be Sunday evenings from 5 to 6 p.m. We're going to come together as the Bible instructs us to do as God's family and pray together every Sunday evening, every, um, you know, uh, is the first Sunday of the month. So it's going to start in, in March 1st uh, from 5 to 6 p.m. So, um, so that's a great way that we can grow into becoming uh, a church of people that are praying together even more. So uh, that being said, let's pray. God, I do thank you uh, for being a God who answers prayer. So many times in your word, uh, we read uh, that you hear the cries of your people and you come down. Though you are lofty and far beyond us, um, it is not beyond you to bend an ear to us for your heart to be moved in our direction. And God, I thank you for who you are. And so, Lord, I pray that, uh, that we would become even more a people of prayer, that as we follow the example of those who have gone before us, as we are motivated by who you are and the family that you've put us in, uh, that, that we would um, enjoy that habit of praying together and coming to you with those things. In Jesus' name, amen.